Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Let's pray. Holy Father, Lord, we thank you for just your goodness to us as individuals. Lord, thanks for the grace of freedom that you've given to us as a country. Lord, thanks for how you work in people's lives and you rescue them. Lord, I pray that you'd help us this morning that we would want that for our own selves and we would not be running from you. We pray that you'd Holy Spirit to speak to us through your word today and give us your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We have a runner. Last summer, when I went to visit on birthday day at the Royal Family Kids Camp, which is a camp where a lot of our people went last week and last year and served for foster kids in our area, about 50 kids. It looked like 250 kids uh, were there. They're running all over the place. And Andy Parker's there, um, and Tammy Campbell's there, and they each have a couple kids. And all afternoon, um, I'd see Andy going this way and trying to find his person, and Tammy going this way, trying to find the girl that she was with. And I just kept saying, there's a runner. They have a runner. That's a runner just running all over the place. Because these children who are Royal Family Kids Camp, they don't have parents, they've been difficult lives, things are messed up, and there's a reason that some of them, they just run. They just can't take it, they'll just take off, there's just so much activity. So constantly, all afternoon, I watched Andy chase and Tammy chase, these runners, just constantly running away. And really, in the first part of Jonah, that really is what Jonah's doing. He is running from God. As we look at the book of Jonah the next few weeks, Jonah is much more than just a fish story. It's short, it's dramatic, it addresses some very important topics that we all deal with. It addresses racism, it addresses reaching your city, it addresses evangelism, it addresses grumbling and complaining, it addresses who's going to be in charge of your life, it addresses grace and the amazing, relentless grace of God. In about 48 verses, it is jam-packed with activity and drama about a guy named Jonah, and most of the time, he's running from God. And there will be people who tell you that we can't, this is why we can't believe the Bible. Because of the book of Jonah is in the Bible. A guy gets swallowed by a whale and he lives in there for three days. That's why I can't believe the Bible. That's absolutely impossible. The Bible presents the book of Jonah as historical truth. Jesus spoke about Jonah in the New Testament. And we as Christians cannot shy away from just the strange historical realities of Christianity. It is strange what we say we believe. 
And if you believe in supernatural events, that miracles can take place, the book of Jonah poses absolutely no problem, because we know that's who God is. He can break into his creation. He can break into his universe. But I think even today, maybe a hundred years ago, that might have had more claim for people to say, well, I can't believe the Bible because the book of Jonah is in there and a guy gets swallowed by the whale. It's impossible. I think maybe a hundred years ago, they better, they may have had better uh, reason to doubt that. But in our day, when there are, the, with the internet and millions and millions of videos getting posted constantly. I mean, every single day you watch something on the, on the internet and it's a one in a million chance that that thing could happen. I mean, there's videos all over the place where there's some one in a billion chance this took place and somebody caught it on video. So it shouldn't stretch our imaginations at all to imagine the reality and the truth of the book of Jonah, especially in our Days, But what it is, it does say that there are some strange things in the Bible and strange things about Christianity should not scare us. The gospel narrative, the whole story of Christianity, it's a strange thing. And I don't think we have to shy away or be afraid to acknowledge it's a strange thing. I just read somebody who was writing about this. And she put together the gospel, the biblical narrative, what the Bible says. Here's the story of the Bible that most of us, many in this room, claim that this is what we believe. A married couple was in a garden, and they were unashamedly naked. Then a snake talked to them and tricked them into disobeying God. They became ashamed, and they broke the way the world was supposed to be. God kicked them out of the garden, so they were free to roam the world and mess everything up. Generations passed. God saved some people from slavery, and then gave them ten important rules to live by, and a bunch of others, too. Kings eventually came to rule. God's people, one of them was David. He killed a giant with some stones when he was a kid, and he grew up to write a lot of worship songs. Generations later, God's son, who's as much God as God is, who had always existed but never as a human, became a human to be killed. Yes, to be killed. He lived perfectly, which no one had ever done before, and then people nailed him to a cross. Then he literally got up from the dead. Somehow, in God's economy, this act paid for the screw-ups of everyone who has ever lived, so that whoever believes this good news can spend forever with God. And, and oh, one day he's going to return in the sky on a horse. That's Christianity. That's strange. But that's what the Bible says, and that's what I hope you believe. And you don't have to shy away from strange things in the Bible. It shouldn't scare us. It's not irrational. Christianity is not irrational. It's just not from our imaginations. It's from outside ourselves, but it's not irrational. There is a lot of rational realities for God in the gospel. And the fact that we as Christians, if we can acknowledge, yeah, you know what? What I believe is strange. I believe a guy rose, a God, a guy rose from the dead. I believe that there were two naked people that messed things up for all of us. Is what the Bible says. When you acknowledge that, we don't have to shy away from it. We can just talk to people intelligently and say, hey, this is a strange thing. But that's because it's outside of ourselves. This is outward. It's, it's out of our world. And it takes faith. And it does allow for reason to work. But when you can admit that there are some strange things in the Bible that we believe and not be afraid of them, not be embarrassed by them, it takes reason, working with relationships, so that when people believe that, repentance and faith and rescued lives will be accomplished.
So what you believe if you're a Christian is very strange. But it's the greatest news in all of the world. It's the only news. It's the greatest story. And if you're afraid of it or ashamed of it or embarrassed by it, it's Christianity. It's God's story that's been revealed to us, and he revealed it to us in the book of Jonah as well. So today is July 3rd, 2016. And the question I want to ask you to examine yourself with is this. Are you in the place that you know God has called you? And are you pursuing the direction God would have you go? On July 3rd, 2016, in real time, are you in the place that you know God has called you? And are you pursuing the direction that God would have you go? Or are you a runner? Are you running from God? I want us to look at Jonah really briefly this morning in a few ways. Who Jonah is. And really what that's going to tell us is what is the character and condition of someone who might run from God? Who is this guy, Jonah? What causes people to run from God and how and why or will? What causes God to run from us? But first of all, what and who is Jonah? Which is going to say, what is the character and the condition of someone who might run from God. It's a strange story. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. It's one of the minor prophets, which only means, not that it's less important, it just means it's short compared to Isaiah and Ezekiel, which have like 40 chapters or more. It's a big chunk of scripture. The minor prophets just mean they're short. They're smaller letters. And it says at the beginning, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Jonah's names, and names in the Bible mean something. Jonah's name means dove, which, starting out, that's good news for us. We'll start reading this. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. When they first read this in Hebrew, they would have known that Jonah's name meant dove. This sounds like a great story. The last time we remembered a dove was when Noah was in the ark. He was to let a dove go, and that's how they knew that the, the water had receded and things were good. So this is good. A dove's going out again. This might be good news. The, the, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Dove, the son of Amittai, which means his dad's name meant faithful and truthful. That's also good. So here is a kid who grew up with a faithful and truthful father. His name is Dove. God's coming to him. There's going to be some good news happening at the rest of this story. And then it turns. God came to him and Jonah says, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And the whole story, if you never heard it before, you'd have been, that's not right. What? Why would the dove do that? Why would the son of a faithful person of God do that? Why would he run from the presence of the Lord? This story is dramatic now. There's something about this story that's going to engage us to say, what's going on? What kind of person runs from God? Because Jonah seems to be the kind of person who had everything he needed not to run away from God. What we know about Jonah is not much. But it says in 2 Kings chapter 14, 
that during the time of one of the, the reigns of a king of Israel, Jonah was one of God's prophets. He was from Galilee, the same place Jesus was from, which later on, when the people heard that Jesus was from Galilee, and they said, can anything good come from Galilee? Because they knew this story. Jonah's not a happy camper all the way through his story. But he was this prophet, and he had all kinds of things. But what kind of person was he? He was a prophet from God, which means God would speak to them in that way. They had inside knowledge to what was going on. God came to Jonah in that time. He'd come to the prophets, and he'd speak to the people about what the people needed to know. And Jonah was that kind of a privileged individual. He had an unbelievable heritage of faith. His dad was faithful. He was a prophet. And there was a time back then where there was a school of the prophets. The Bible doesn't say if Jonah was a part of the school of the prophets, but he would have lived in the time of the school of the prophets, which means he grew up under unbelievable privilege when it comes to knowing God. If it was today, we would say Jonah was a kid who grew up in a Christian family in a country with great freedom to learn about God and to know God in unbelievable, special ways. He had unbelievable, privileged faith. And then God used him. In Second Kings, it talks about how God told Jonah what, what he wanted to prophesy about. Jonah went and prophesied about it in Second Kings chapter 14. And what Jonah prophesied that God said, it actually came to, to, to place. Which means Jonah was used by God. He had unbelievable privilege. He had unbelievable even spiritual growth and progress. I mean, God was working through him. He was a guy who, when God spoke, he could say something and it took place. He had respect of the people. He was the prophet and even had a purpose in his life. He wasn't wandering around. I mean, God came to him and spoke to him. And it was very clear. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. It was very clear. What kind of person, what's the character of a person who might run from God. It's a Christian who grew up in great privilege, living in a free country, who's got Bibles everywhere, seen God work in the past, has seen God use them in the past, knows that they should be following God, knows everything about God. That's the kind of person who might run from God, which means I'm Jonah, and you're probably Jonah. We are the prime candidates of people with the character and the condition who might run from God. Jonah was a church-going, God-knowing individual with all kinds of head knowledge and was, had actively been used by God. But when God comes to him and he says, Go to Nineveh, the great city, call out against it, for the evils come against me, that guy, the one who sat in church faithfully, was doing all his things, looked really good, that's the guy that took off. I'm not sure what happened, but Jonah somewhere became very passive in his life. Because when God came to him, he says, arise, which means he wasn't doing anything. He wasn't active. He was sitting around. He was going through the motions, really. God says, arise and go. Very urgent. When the word go, very urgent thing. God says, get up, 
Jonah and go. We're not really sure what happened, but somewhere down along the line, this guy who knew all about the Bible, knew all about God, had been active, if you want to bring it up into our day, had been active in church, had served well, served his neighborhood, served his community, loved God, was used by God, all of a sudden now is doing nothing. He's passive, but nobody really knows this. He looks like he's always looked. Maybe they, they just think maybe he's tired. Maybe he thinks it's time to pass the torch to somebody else. Something happened in Jonah's life. There was later on in the Old Testament, after Jonah's prophecy did come take place, years down the road, everything did change. God went in a different direction with what he had prophesied for Jonah to say. And the prophecy that Jonah had said got turned. God went a different way. And maybe that's what it was. Maybe after that took place in Jonah's life, he felt like, well, what's the point? I put all that effort in, and now God's going a complete different direction? Doesn't he know how hard that worked, how much sweat, how much prayer, how much time I put into that, how much time I invested in my life, and now he's going in a different direction? Maybe that's what it was. But somewhere along the way, Jonah became very passive. He lost his urgency. He wasn't uh, who he was supposed to be. He knew it all, but he wasn't doing what God called him to do, and he started to run. And someone said this, no past privilege, nor all past privileges together, no past obedience, no fruitfulness and service can ever substitute for, past, for present obedience to the word of God. Great blessings only bring present fruitfulness when they are met with continuing obedience. Somewhere down the line, Jonah didn't abandon everything outwardly, but inwardly, he sat down and stopped, and he was just running from God. He may not have been physically running yet, but he had started to run from God. Maybe he had been living in the glory days, and then the glory days are gone. And he's wondering, what was God doing? I don't want to do that again. And let me just say, Cornerstone can't live in the glory days. If you live in the glory days of what you thought was the glory days, of when God was using you, you were active, you were doing things, God was blessing, and he decides to go a different way, and you say, I'm just going to live in the glory days, I don't got the energy anymore, I don't got the time to keep going, you're going to be gutted spiritually, and you're going to be blinded by your own perceived influence. And you're going to think that God's still using you. You're going to think that he could still enable you. But you're done. You're, you're passive. You're sitting like Jonah. And all you can think about was the glory days, the good times. Those are gone. And you think, I don't want to do that again. God comes to people like that and he says, you're running. Now you need to get up and you need to go. Because there's a great city that needs to be reached. And I'm not done with you. Yet, are you aware that you could be Jonah? Are you Jonah? Are you in the place that you know God has called you? And are you pursuing the direction that God would have you to go? The condition and the character of a person who is Jonah is a Christian who knows it all, can do it all, has seen it all, has been there and done that and decided that they don't like the way God's 
handling things. And so they're just going to stop and pretend and coast along the way. What causes, though, one to also run from God? Jonah got called to a very hard thing. God said, Jonah, get up and go to Nineveh, which is this massive city. And it was wicked. It was his enemies. It was... Jonah knew that if he got up and followed God's call, that his own people would not like him. They'd make fun of him. They'd say, are you sure that's what God wants you to do? Are you you kidding me? God wants you to go to Nineveh? That's a waste of your time. Those people will never repent. They'll never do it. You'll spend your life doing that. What a waste. I mean, God used you in the past. Don't, Don't spend your retirement years doing that. That's a waste of your time. That's what his people would have said to him. Don't do that. It was huge. It was a hard call. And that's what will make people run from God sometimes. God calls you to do something that isn't really what you want to do. It's not as fun as you thought it would be. And you'll run from God. You'll serve in ministries that you prefer, that you like, but ones that are cause some pain and some friction, you pull away from. That's running from God if God's called you to serve in them. God's called us to give our lives and to be as slaves of Christ. That he gets to call what we are supposed to do. We don't get to say, I'm going to do this only, and I like it, and I'm gifted, a totally, this is my thing. Where God may call you to something else, because going to Nineveh was not Jonah's thing. He wasn't into going to Nineveh. He didn't like Ninevites. There was nothing about going to Nineveh that that appealed to him. But God said, Jonah, get up and go to Nineveh. So sometimes, listen, the call of God has caused some of you, maybe, to just start running from God. You haven't moved. That's part of the problem. You haven't moved in a very long time, and God's called you, and you're running. Because the call is difficult. It's a hard thing. It takes energy. It's emotionally going to kill you, in many ways, to do the thing God's called you to do and sometimes the collapse of a past ministry will get people to run from god they're just drained and you don't want to do it again you don't want to put the effort in because you feel if it fell once it's going to fell again and really what's the point but god may call you to do that so the collapse of a past ministry that you were involved in can't be the reason that you run from god and really the big reason why Jonah ran from God and rerun from God is spiritual complacency. I think the whole, it's a short book. You could see this on your own. So I'm going to sneak up to chapter 4, verse 2. After everything took place that we're going to look at in a few weeks, after all of it, Jonah says this to God. He's very ticked off at God. We, we've heard the story. He's very ticked off at God, even at the end. And this is what Jonah says. He says, this is why. And he, and he prayed to the Lord, Oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country, when I was still passive, doing nothing, sitting on the ground, doing my thing, sucking my wounds and licking my wounds, sucking my thumb? Is this, this is why I didn't want to go. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. He's saying, God, the reason I didn't want to go to Nineveh was because I know who you are. I, have, I love you. I know your theology. I know how you act in people's lives. I am filled to the brim with doctrine about who you are. 
And because I knew so much about you, that's why I didn't want to go to Nineveh. Because I knew you'd do this. You'd forgive these people. He was spiritually complacent, head full with knowledge about God. And that's the thing that kept him from running. That's the thing that kept him from obeying, was his spiritual complacency. All this knowledge kept him from obeying God, and he just started to drift. He was filled with knowledge. He had Bibles galore. He had apps all over the place. He listened to Christian music on the radio. He had great preachers that he loved to hear, and he'd tell people about them. That was a great one. Good message. Filled to the brim. And he said, that's why I'm not going to go. Because I knew who you are, God. And I didn't want to be used by you. It's absolutely outrageous. He's in complete rebellion because he was drifting along. And the whole story says he left and he went away from Tarshish and he kept going down. As you just learned, he's, he's going down and down and down in the story. It's a great writing, but it's also spiritual drifting. Listen, if you're drifting spiritually, you're not drifting towards God. You're drifting away from God. If you're coasting spiritually, you're not coasting towards a better place with God. You're coasting away from God. You're running from God. Someone had said this, I don't coast toward godliness but selfishness. I don't coast toward self-control but rashness. I don't coast toward a love for others but agitation. I don't coast towards patience but irritability. I don't coast towards purity but lust. I don't coast toward self-denial but self-obsession. I don't coast towards the gospel but self-sufficiency. In the short, I don't coast towards Christ but towards self. When I stop caring... When I stop expending effort, when I allow myself to coast, I inevitably coast away from God and godliness. And this is exactly why I'm so deeply dependent. And this is why we are so deeply, deeply dependent on the ordinary means of God's grace for us. Scripture, prayer, preaching, fellowshipping together, worshiping, taking part in communion, Because it's in those ordinary means that God uses to wake us and keep us from coasting. What causes you to run from God is it could be the call. God may have called you to do a very hard thing or is calling you to do a very hard thing. And it's outside of your realm of desire or comfort. And you're saying no. Well, you're running from God. Or you're still hurt about some past event where you were serving and it collapsed and you don't have the energy you don't have the desire to get back in you know god's prodding you along you just keep saying no no but you're not saying it out loud you, you still smile and show up you're running from god or maybe you're just so filled with knowledge that you know if you give your life fully to what god says your jerk of a co-worker might become a christian and have more blessings than you that's what Jonah basically was saying. And you're going to go down, and just like Jonah, it's going to cause more drama and more drama in your life. What causes one to run from God? All those things. But what causes God to run from us? Nothing. Nothing causes God to run from us. Because after Jonah did all that, it's unbelievable what Jonah did. It says, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, And there was a mighty tempest of the sea. 
What's going to cause God to run away from you if you're running from God is absolutely nothing. God's going to pursue you, and he is pursuing you. It's unbelievable grace that he's pouring out to you. God sent Jonah a storm to save Jonah from himself. And maybe some of you are filled with drama. I mean, your life is just drama, drama, drama. The drama that you may be experiencing may be the divine way that God is trying to save you from yourself. And listen, you can turn from that. You don't have to wait for the great fish to come. You don't have to wait till it gets worse. You can just say today, God, I'm tired of running. I'm going to follow you. I'm just going to go back and go back to where you want me to be. I don't, it doesn't have to get worse. The drama that you're experiencing in your life may not be just bad decisions. It also is God directing all those things to get you back to where he wants you to be. Because God does, there's nothing that's going to stop God from chasing you. Nothing you can do. God will not stop chasing you. He will keep pursuing you. That's the relentless story of Jonah. God saw this unbelievable rebellious prophet take off and God says, it's not that easy, my friend. And he hurled the storm at Jonah's life to wake Jonah up from himself, which is the gospel. Friday, I was helping Alan Arms at my mom's house, fixing up her attic, and we were, he's putting electricity in, so we had to pull up these old boards from the floor, the floorboard, so I picked them up, and Al was on one side on the stairs, and I'm up there, we're starting to lift it up, and he put it back in, and it's all broken up, this is part of it, and as he's doing that, he gets jabbed in the finger, with a spike of this thing. And he goes, ouch! And for about the next five minutes, every time I'm looking over to Al, he's still, he's doing this to his hand. He's, he's got blood, he's wiping it off. You know, he's manning up. But he's still doing this to his hand for about five minutes, for one little prick. Because it hurts to have a thorn go into your fingers. But God doesn't stop chasing after you, and he doesn't stop chasing after me. Because instead of sending us the ultimate storm that we deserved, he decided, I'm going to send my son, and Jesus is going to take the full storm for you. He's going to take the greatest storm ever. He's not just going to have one little prick with wood. He's going to have a crown of thorns stuffed into his skull. He's going to have his pierced side. His fingers are going to get destroyed. His feet are going to get destroyed. An unbelievable storm came to Jesus. So it doesn't have to come to us. God's not going to stop chasing you because he already dumped all of that on Jesus. And because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we can repent and run back to God and know that God's going to forgive us and love us and he's going to keep pursuing us. And the pursuit that he has for us is all things are going to work out for our good. That's what God wants for us, because the greatest storm was not dumped on you. It was dumped on Jesus. I need to feel that, and you need to experience that, and you need to say, is it worth it wasting my life anymore when I have a God who went through that for me in a real way? How can you be running with God and not from God? Maybe this morning you first need to acknowledge that you need God. Maybe you've spent your entire life 
in drama and trying to do it and strive to do it on your own. And it's not working out for you. And it's not going to work out for you because God says it's not supposed to work out for you that way. But I can work it out for you. You just need to see me and acknowledge me, see that I love you, that I have a plan for your life, that my desire for you is good. I need to repent of your sin and turn and trust me and acknowledge that you need me in your life is the first way you stop running from God. The second way, if you're a Christian and you're running and you know if you are, even though if nobody else knows, you might just need to... A few weeks ago, I saw someone get re- retired and they put a picture on Facebook of their lunchbox and their thermos and they said, never have to pack this thing again. And they're signing off. Maybe if you're running from God and you're a Christian, maybe you need to pack your lunch again and put your boots back on and get up and start doing the things that God has called you to do. It's not the next generation's time. It's your time. Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, and Bernie Sanders are all throwing off the curve for people in their 60s and 70s to be active and do things. You're not done, and God's not done with you. And if God has your whole life in front of you, he's saying, pack your lunch, put your boots on, and keep following me. And the whole message of Jonah is about reaching a people. God has a heart for people. He loves people. It's about evangelism. It's about reaching a people to have no desire for God. That's the whole book of the gospel. So maybe a third way, maybe a third way is for you to pick a neighbor this month and invite him out for a cookout and see what God might do. So it's July 3rd, 2016. Are you in the place that you know that God has called you And are you pursuing the direction that God would have you to go? Don't be a runner from God, but run with God. Let's come. Let's run to it and receive the grace that God has for us. is named through godless places and I've known shame that no child of fish should know I've seen pain on broken faces beyond all thought of hope I was just too far from home still I always wondered when I closed my